Howdy. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, um, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26. Um, and the title this morning is A Useful Vessel for the Lord. Um, and I think that's something that we all want to be uh, and definitely should strive to be. So I'll give you a second to get there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses uh, 20 through 26. So starting in verse 20, it says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is uh, dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and, let, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may uh, perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I'm going to pray for us again this morning uh, and calm my nerves, so let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you, uh, God, for who you are. Thank you for your character, um, Lord. And as we see this passage this morning, uh, may I get out of the way. Uh, may you calm the nerves. May you uh, limit any distractions, um, Lord, that may be going on. And God, would you speak to our hearts this morning what it means to be a, youth, a, a useful vessel for you. Because, because, God, we know you desire that from each and every one of us that's here. So, God, may we be found useful on that day. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So, um, would you say that uh, as generations have come, maybe an older generation 50 years ago maybe has a little bit better work ethic than some people nowadays? Okay? I mean, would you agree with that? All right. So, uh, when I was 14, I started working. I had an older man in his 70s actually teach me what work really was. To that point, I had never had anyone show me anything like that. But he pulled me aside and he showed me, like, hey, this is how you do things. This is how we um, honor the Lord, I mean, because he was a follower of Christ. So he gives me, you know, the job description and he does all of it with me. And, I mean, here I am, 14 years old, and he spends so much time with me. But I noticed things about him. He would never sit down on his lunch break, and he would always be very quick with his lunch break. And even how he handled things, like he would never handle money alone, he would never do a lot of things. Like, there was just a lot of little weird things that at 14 years old, I was like, what is, why does he not do it this way? And I remember asking him one day, and I actually can ask that man a lot more questions because that is actually, uh, was going to be my future grandfather-in-law. Um, that is Raven's grandfather, um, who I'm talking about. But at that time, we were not together or anything, but um, he was a, a godly example of what true work really looks like. But one day we were sitting there, and he says, Brandon, he says, here's the thing. When you work, you work unto the Lord. And he says, everything you do is to honor him. 
And he says, so if I am taking a lunch break, I'm going to make sure that I am doing it as quick as possible. That way I can get back to work. Um, and just on and on. And all these things that he did, he gave me the reasons why, and it made sense. But he says, Brandon, if you continue to do these things like this, do you know what you will always be? You'll always be useful here at this place. Okay? And that made sense. So from the time I was 14 to the time I would, time I graduated college, you know what I did every summer? I worked at that place. Because over time, I took what Paul Paul had taught me, and I put it into play. Okay? And he taught me how to be useful to that, my employer at that time. And it helped me. It grew me in that way. What we're going to see today is in that same regard. We're going to see Paul writing to Timothy and reminding him, like, these are some things that you must do to be useful in the kingdom of God. And it is a reminder for us as we sit in here just as much. Because just as Paul Paul taught me about the, the world and how, it, how I'm supposed to work in that atmosphere, it's different in here. And we're going to see some different uh, things that, that Paul is trying to make sure Timothy gets before Paul uh, is no longer able to uh, speak with him anymore. So this morning, that, that is where we're going with this, a useful vessel for the Lord. And I think just as Paul Paul taught me, uh, Paul will teach us this morning what it means to be a useful, a useful uh, vessel for the Lord. So if you will, in verse 20, in your first point there, to be a useful vessel for the Lord... We must be honorable. To be a useful vessel for the Lord, we must be honorable. And we see this here. It says, Now in a great house there are not only uh, vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So to be a useful vessel this morning uh, of the Lord, we must be honorable. Think about what, what, I, what I'm saying when I, I say that to you this morning. When we think of someone who is honorable, right? We have someone who stands for what is right, stands for what is true, um, one that will not waver in, in those areas. So for us as followers of Christ, we would say that we would hold true to God's word and what he has called us to do. And not only that, but we would stand true to those convictions that we have um, in, that, in those ways and the way that it has been set up for us to follow in the footsteps of Christ. So it's to live to that standard, an honorable way of life. And I think that is the first main thing that we see here in these first two verses. And that's Paul's desire for Timothy here, y'all. That is Paul's desire was for, for him to be used by God, but also for God to use Timothy. And is that not God's desire for each of us who sit in here this morning? It's for Him to use us. And I pray for you this morning, that is what you come in here with the same desire too, is that you want to be used by God. That Listen, I don't want to get to the end of my life one day and like, man, you wasted it. We don't want that. We want to be used by Him for those purposes. But Paul here wanted to tell Timothy that. And we know that this is his last letter to Timothy uh, before uh, Paul is executed. And so there are some, I mean, for this to be right here, this is a, very important for us to get just as much. So he wanted Timothy to understand this. But you think about Timothy too here, though. Paul's writing this because it's right on the heels, and it was something I actually told John I thought about actually uh, preaching first, but the first few verses before this. There's false teaching. 
men that Timothy thought he could trust have already turned on him and have already started teaching false teachings. So now Timothy, this young pastor, right, being attached to Paul, brings all these problems in itself, and now the men that he thought he could trust, even in his own church, have slowly but surely started to desert him. So Paul here is wanting to make sure that Timothy knows this. Listen, Timothy, if you're going to be a useful vessel for the Lord, these are some things you must do. And it is the same for us as well. Because it's not in the text, but I'm not reading this. I can almost think about this. um, Because especially when you're in ministry for a certain period of time, you see people come and you see people go. Some people, you think that they really got it, and you're like, man, yes, they're solid, and then years later, they're gone. That hurts when you see those people that come and go like that. And I can only imagine Paul knowing here at the end of his life, he does not want Timothy to be useless. He does not want him to be useless, just like he doesn't want us to be useless in here either. So yes, he is writing this to a pastor, but it is also um, can be applied to us just as much. But if you notice here, there's an analogy. So we must be honorable uh, in the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we live our lives to be useful for God. But then Paul gives us this analogy. So if you notice in verse 20, it says, Now uh, in a great house. So what is this great house that that Paul is describing here in this analogy? Um, This is kind of like his illustration up to this point uh, of everything that he's about to get into in the next few verses. But it is the visible church, which is your next uh, little sub-point there. The great house is the visible church. And we can actually see that from the context of verse 19. It says, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And if you actually go back to 1 Timothy, you can also see that same reference as far as to the church. So the great house that he brings up here, I mean, is the church. It is the body of believers that that he is describing here uh, to Timothy. It says, though, For there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. So the vessels are his people used for his purposes. So this morning when we see this term vessels, we know that that is uh, something that the Lord uses. Paul even referenced himself as being a vessel of the Lord. And we are vessels just as much. But that is what we see here. But if you notice that there are some descriptions here, right? Even going through Daniel in Sunday school, we've seen that there's difference in in the metals and all of that stuff, correct? So here we see that there's gold, which is the most precious. There's silver. There's clay and there's wood. All these things are in the church, right? Some, can we not agree, some give the appearance that they are more uh, take priority, right? Like a lot of people in here would say what Dr. Allen does every Sunday, that, that, that's the top job. Okay, that's what a lot of people would say. But So there are different categories we can see here as far as um, what is being described here. The gold, the silver, the wood, the clay and different jobs. Doesn't mean that one is more important than the other, but rather that there are uh, distinguishing marks here. And it, it also says that there are some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. So this morning as we look in here too, know this. There are some of you in here who are useful to the Lord. 
You really are. You, you are living your life to glorify Him. And there is no doubt about that. But there are some of you who Paul would say, you're not. You're not living the way that you're supposed to. You're not doing the things that you're supposed to here. So take this as a warning from Paul. And may we be reminded of what we should be doing. Because I would say too, at any point in time, some of us could slowly start to drift and become useless just as much. So I'm not up here pumping my chest or anything like that because there have been times in all of our lives where we have been useless in this way. So the next uh, point there. So as Paul has these vessels, these utensils in mind uh, in this great house, the next thing you see is the master here um, in verse um, 21 of this analogy. It says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, um, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart uh, as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So the master requires us to be clean. The master requires us to be clean. Um, will y'all flip one place with me this morning, though? Will y'all flip to First John chapter 1? And I want to just clarify this up front because it could very easily be mistaken as, okay, Brandon is telling me i got to get myself clean and do all these things. Okay, I, I don't want you to have that interpretation this morning. First John... Uh, chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So who is the one that can cleanse us and forgive us ultimately? It is Christ. So this morning, know that first and foremost. I'm not saying that you've got to pull your bootstraps up and you've got to do this this way. But there is, a, there is man's responsibility to live a sanctified life. And that's what we are discussing here. So may we remember that as we, we kind of go through this. Um, and then you look at this word clean. All right, so uh, he must be a... a he will be a, if he cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. So, cleanses himself of impurity, right? Cleanses thoroughly, um, or, or ways that we can put this. You know what clean means, so I don't have to sit up here and belabor that, correct? But let me ask you, right now, what is in your life that needs to be clean? What, is, what are you holding on to? that is preventing you from being the useful servant that Paul is describing to Timothy here. What is the thing in your life this morning? And why have you not done away with it? And I pray that, that you would think about that as we continue to, to go through this uh, because that is a very important question. Those things that we hold on to that keep us from being clean, from keep us from a, a pure lifestyle, a righteous lifestyle, Hinder our walk with God, and it not only does that, it also hinders the walk with the people that we sit in here every Sunday. So the next point we see here is don't forget this too, that there is a master of the house in this analogy. The master of the house is the one who's in control of all these things. 
He's the one who puts the utensils to work. He's the one that, that, that is in control of, of everything. Um, it, it's not as if we are. The master of the house is the one that is in charge. And we must be in submission to him this morning. To be a useful servant of the Lord, we must be submitted to the master. Because once we do those things, so once we make ourselves clean, and we even see in 1 John how we do that by confession of our sin. And as we go, we'll see even the practical side of, of that as how we can go out of here Monday through Saturday and do those same things. But as we confess our sin to him, he is faithful to forgive us of it. But as we do this and we come before the master, it is only then that we are prepared for the good work that he has before us. We know Ephesians 2.10, you know, the work has been prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So there is work for all of us to do. And once we come to this place, we will be ready for the work. So this morning, if you're in here, check your heart. Am I useful or am I useless? Because I promise you, I promise you, a life that is useful to the Lord will be so much more joyful, so much more thrilling uh, than anything that you can do that would make you useless to the Lord. So the next main point here that we see, hang on a second, is to be a useful uh, vessel for the Lord, we must be holy. So not only must we, must we be honorable, an honorable vessel, we also must be a, a holy vessel. And you see that too at the very end of verse 21 as well as we go into this. And how we become holy um, is the process that we see in verses 22 through 23. But you see there, set apart as holy, useful to the master. So when we come to this place where we want to be a useful vessel for the Lord, we must pursue holiness. Paul is making that connection here to Timothy. There is a connection to your holiness and your usefulness to God. There is a direct connection to those things. To be uh, separated from our sin, from the world, from the flesh, from all of those things that can ensnare us is what it means to live a holy lifestyle. It's to be separated, to be set apart from those things. Um, one other place I want you to flip to this morning. Would you uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 with me? First Thessalonians 4. And look at verse 1 here with me. And on down. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do uh, so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, that your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of the lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and, and wrongs his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger, and in all these things, as we told you beforehand, solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. 
Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. So may we be reminded of that this morning. You're not disregarding, if if you walk out of here and you go live like you want to next week, you're not disregarding anything I've said to you this morning. You're disregarding what God has called you to be. But we have been called to be holy, to be set apart. And I think it is even more important, even for us, is just to think of it like this. We are dead to sin, correct? Christ has accomplished that for us, and we have been made... uh, are alive through Him. And that's the way we need to view this, that we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. But look at verse 22 here. It says, so this is kind of how, how we become holy, how we, the, the process in which it happens. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. A useful vessel will avoid sin. A useful vessel for the Lord will avoid sin. And that's what we see from verse 22. So flee, right? And we know that we get that, that's the word we get from, we get fugitive from. So to run from, to get away from, is what Paul is reminding Timothy here. Because Timothy was actually probably between his 30s to early 40s here. Okay, and let me ask. Are there probably more temptations for a younger person in here than an older person? I, mean, I think we could agree with that. Uh, there are some things that a younger person is going to have to battle a little bit, a little bit harder than maybe an older person will. And that's why Paul is, is trying to remind Timothy of, of these things to be a useful servant. Uh, because at the end of the day, he knows his time is short. But I would say, when you think of youthful passions, what comes to mind? So we need to avoid them, but what are those things in your life? Okay? So for younger people who maybe are just starting out, correct, right, we could have a very high view of money because a lot of this, a lot of people just equate this to sexual sin which is also hard for young people. But it's not just that. When you start looking at the youthful passions, it can be a many different things that we could put in the blank. Money, power. All right, how about this? I would even say for a servant of the Lord who he is writing to here, um, how about a, a, young, a young pastor? You can be arrogant sometimes. You can be prideful. You can be a lot of different things as a young leader. Um, And all those things here we could put in this list for youthful passions that we need to avoid and we need to run from. But I love, I love this. Is he doesn't just call us to flee from something. He calls us to run to something. He calls us not just to flee from something, but to run to something. And may we take that serious this this morning. May we look at this and realize that the things that we think are not that big a deal, the sin that has a grip of our heart, it is a big deal this morning, y'all. It determines whether you're useful or not. In the kingdom of God, that's a big deal this morning. So a useful vessel will avoid sin. But not only that, it is something that we should also run to. And that's what we see in the next few uh, lines here in this verse 
So as we flee from those youthful passions, the sin that holds us, that keeps us from being a servant of the Lord, we pursue righteousness. We pursue faith. We pursue love and peace along those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So not only do we turn around and we run from it, but yet we pursue it in the opposite direction just as hard. And think about those phrases right there, those words, righteousness, faith, love, peace. Who embodies that perfectly? Jesus. Turn from our sin and turn to Christ and run to him with everything that you have. Uh, Psalm 119. When you think of how can we uh, overcome some of the things that that we experience with sin, Psalm 119.9 says this. How can a young man, and we can say a young person or an old person, it doesn't matter, keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. By guarding it according to your word. And that is how we stay pure and we pursue these things with everything that we have. And then the next point you have there is a useful vessel will seek holiness. A useful uh, vessel will seek holiness. So this morning for us, may we seek righteousness, justice, the truth of all these things. Seek faithfulness towards our God. Be faithful with what He has called us to be and to do. And not only that, seek the love. And we know that this is the agape love here. But may we not only seek that, but also peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. May we seek those things as a body, but also in our own lives here. Your next point here, and I know it's a typo, so... Uh, being a useful vessel will extend to how we treat others. Being a useful vessel will extend to how we treat others. So you think about that. If you are a useless vessel this morning, what is your priority? Yourself. It is all about you. It's not about anything else. It is all about what can I get and how can I get it. And we see here, For us to be a useful vessel, it will extend to others. And it will permeate from that because of the things that we are pursuing in those types of ways. A useful vessel will extend to how we treat others. Um, So may we not forget that either. Uh, And and I think the longer uh, you have have been in church life and you've been hurt and stuff like that, um, you come to a place, though, to where this is it, though. If I'm pursuing holiness, if I'm pursuing Christ with everything that I have, I'm going to treat the the people around me better than they deserve because Christ has treated us better than we will ever deserve this morning. And the next point you have there, to be a useful vessel for the Lord, we must be focused on the mission. And verse 23 here, you could actually bleed this into both, um, uh, uh, the, the, to me, the front and the back. Because you think about this, have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So as a young leader here, Timothy, what's Paul telling him when he says that? Don't go seeking fights with people. 
don't, don't go chase them down and say, hey, this is right, this is wrong, you've got to do it this way. Um, it, it's not that, that type of, of character here. And that's why we can also say this does extend to others and how we treat them. Because if you are pursuing these things in holiness, you're going to love those people who may be in sin that you have to correct. And that's what we see here because what did Dr. Allen say a few, probably a month ago now is that it's not the theological arguments that seminary taught him. Or that, or he says, he, remember he wished that some of us would have to come in here with theological arguments and questions of we need help with this. He says, actually what happens that they don't train you the most for is the little old lady that comes up to you and says, well, preacher, this is what's going on. This is what we've got going on. But that is the truth this morning. That's what we deal with the most is the people in here and the people out there that hurt us the most. How many of us this week are going to go to Thanksgiving with people that do not believe the same way that we believe? And they're probably going to be very difficult to be around. Amen? Amen. Okay. For us to be useful, though, for the kingdom of God, we cannot let them retract us back. We must pursue these things so that it will impact the relationships that we have. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get to Timothy here, is to be a useful vessel for the Lord. We must be focused on the mission. And look at, those, look at the last few verses here. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So this morning, I would say a useful vessel for the Lord will be focused on the mission. Will be focused on the mission that is before him. I mean, can you not get from that text there? That is what Paul is trying to convey here. Listen, Timothy, don't get caught up in all these arguments and, and things that may retract from the truth, but focus on correcting them with gentleness so that God may bring them to repentance. Is that not the goal for all of us in here? It's for people to come to repentance and faith in Christ so that they might have the relationship in which we have with Him this morning. And that is what we desire I know um, as a church and as a body, and I pray that all of us in here would desire that same, that same goal and that same mindset. So the, the Lord's servant, though, a servant of the Lord should seek to have a gentle character. So not to call him out, but who, who, who exemplifies this? We got anybody in here that exemplifies this this morning? Dr. John, okay, not perfect, so I'm not calling him out because I know he's sitting there thinking, Brandon, why are you calling me out? But you think about the way he, he goes about things and how gentle he is about how he handles, how gracious he is towards people. That's what Paul is telling Timothy here. When we have those arguments, when we have those disagreements, we have to come with people with kindness, with a gentle character towards them. And Paul is reminding Timothy of that same thing. So the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. All right? And we, we know, of course, from seeking those fights, seeking those uh, things that are just going to cause controversy. But kind to everyone and able to teach. So remember this morning, too, 
This is written to a pastor. So able to teach. Some of you may not be able to stand up here and preach the word, but I will say you should be able to, to teach God's word to those people that, that don't know it. Okay, you may not be up here preaching from the pulpit, but we all should be able to, able to teach uh, in some type of way. But remember that, we're all the Lord's servants in here, and we must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, even the most difficult people in our life. Because when you see somebody respond to you with gentleness, with that character, does it not change how you view them? Does it not change the situation? It should, anyway. Your next point there, though, a servant of the Lord should learn to patiently trust Him. So look at the next little phrase there. It says, He's able to teach patiently enduring evil. Alright. That right there, to me, says a lot. That Paul is... is here he is about to be beheaded for everything that he has done to this point. And he is saying, Timothy, you patiently endure evil. So that means when those people in the church hurt us, when they leave us, when they uh, do whatever they're going to do, or the people outside of the church, Timothy, you patiently endure it. Because we know the reward that we will have one day is far greater than what we have here. So we constantly, we patiently endure the evil that is around us because we know God is the one in control. And I think of all of this. What's another good example of someone we've seen in Scripture who has patiently endured time after time after time? And the situation really didn't get a lot better for him. Okay, there's lots of different names we can put in here. Paul? very true, all of them, but I'm here to say, my man Daniel has exemplified every bit of what we're talking about as far as being a useful servant to the Lord, he has been honorable, he has been all of these things, he has been holy in his character by staying away from those things that he knew that would cause him to become useless to the Lord, so this morning, Daniel would be a perfect example of even this, of someone who patiently endured evil. From the time he was a young, young teenager to his 80s in captivity. And what has he constantly done? Patiently endured the evil that he has experienced. And he has been a faithful servant to the Lord. So may we be the same this morning. That as evil surrounds us and, and everything may be going crazy so it seems that we will patiently endure knowing God is the one that is in control, and he is the one that will see us through to the end. And the last point you have there, a servant of the Lord should trust in God to accomplish the work. So this is the hardest thing for us, to trust God to accomplish the work. You know, I, I hear a lot of you um, when we have prayer requests, you know, in Grace Group about, you know, praying for our kids' salvation. You know, that's a hard thing to realize. I can't save Asher and Declan. That is something that God has to do. Those people that are in your life right now, that are difficult, that are hard, we got to remember this right here, is that God is the one who's in charge of salvation. He is the one who will do the saving. 
And we must trust in God to accomplish His work. And that's what we see in verse 25 through 26. Correcting His opponents with gentleness that God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So Timothy, because you're a useful servant and because of the life that you live, may it be so that one day God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Is that not what we want for those people in our life? And for the people out there that don't know him. Is we want them to know this God that has saved and that has redeemed us. I want you to to flip to one other place this morning. Um, What Colin read this morning, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And look at verse 4 with me. So like I said, this is a challenge for all of us in here to pursue these things and to do these things. But may we remember, just in of ourselves, we are not sufficient. That we have to have one that helps us. And we have the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us this morning. And He is the one that will help us accomplish this. So verse 4 again of chapter 3, such is this confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So God is where we get our sufficiency from this morning. So let me ask you this final question. This morning, where would you be? Are you useful? Are you useless? And if you find yourself in the spot of being useless this morning, run to Christ with everything you have this morning. Do not wait. Because none of us are guaranteed a lifelong to serve Him. We better take every opportunity that we have. And some of you have to ask the question, if you're useless this morning, is it because you are not connected to Christ? And if you're not this morning, I pray you would come. And that you would turn to Him and give Him your life so that you might be a useful servant in His kingdom. Let us pray. Um, Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done for us in Christ. And God, may we be reminded this morning that you desire all of us to be useful servants. Each and every one of us that sits in here, God, that is your desire for us. So may we not stray away pursuing sinful lust and pursuing those things that we know will not satisfy our hearts, God. But may we come to you this morning confessing our sin, knowing that you are faithful and that you are just to forgive us of our sin. And God, may we start to live a holy and an honorable life so that we can be a useful servant for you in all that we do. God, I pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, who may be wrestling with this, that they would come up to Dr. John to call into someone, and God, let them confess, God. Let them get it off their chest with their brother and sister, because if we remember in this text, we also run with a group of people. 
as well. We are not alone in this. So you, may you be glor, uh, glorified and honored in our service. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.